1: to Counter Charge. I'm Felix Castro.
2: I'm Ben Stoddard. And I'm Mark Zelinsky. Welcome to, well, the inaugural third edition version of the Narrative Workshop. I am so excited because Felix and Ben are here with me tonight, and we are ready to dive in and get into some narrative goodness. So Felix, how are you this evening? I'm pretty
1: good. Just uh, got back from our local, you know, Kings of War night at the local gaming store, so that was fun. So pretty good
2: sounds good ben i hear it's snowing out there in idaho
3: yeah we was we were talking earlier it got down to negative 20 out here and we've got about a good two and a half three feet of snow outside so we're we're nestled in for the for the winter months out here so lots of hobby time
2: there you go felix how is it down there in uh, the dayton area it's 54 degrees and raining up here so
1: yeah it's about the same it's supposed to be like mid 60s tomorrow so yeah it's yeah I'd, I'd say the seasons have shifted really we'll, we'll just say that that's i think uh tomorrow it's supposed to beat the high the record high by like seven degrees so
2: yeah ben it's almost like we're living in southern kentucky this year it's it, it's supposed to be cold right now and uh, it's gonna be uh 60 degrees and a little rainy i you know what? If the humidity is not high, I might break out the rattle cans in January, and that is really rare. Let me tell you. Yeah, well, that's one thing about living in Idaho. It's always dry
3: enough that the rattle cans are never a problem. So <laughs> that's one good thing, I guess.
2: Well, I hope we didn't make you feel too bad, there, Ben. So you know what? We're gonna to compensate. We're gonna let you go first with the hobby update. So you just mentioned hobby time. So what are you doing out there?
3: Well, I'm trying to build up uh, an Abyssal's army that I'm trying to take to Adepticon for Clash. It's going to be an all mantic army, Uh, the idea behind it. I posted some pictures on the Fanatics page and a few other pages here and there. Um, And it's just basically the idea is it's an Abyssal army and they're in a forest fire. So they're calling them the Ashes of Galahir. And the whole idea behind it is... Like I said, they're they're invading Gala here and they're burning down the forest all around them as they as they encroach. And so it's requiring, I bought a bunch of uh, cheap hobby trees, like railroad trees and stuff like that off uh, of Amazon. And I'm green stuffing flames on them and building up the bases and all that kind of stuff. So it looks like they're charging through a forest fire, basically. I'm hoping I can get it done. 2220 points or 2,220 points is a lot to get done in about. Three months, but uh, and I doubt I'll get a display board done for it, but I think it's looking good so far.
2: Well, I guess we got to put the call out to Rob to see if he has a display board for you. He can uh, bring up to Adepticon for you, since you're flying in. You know, it's the least he could do. (laughs) Least, right? The least, exactly. So, hey, you know what the good news is? You're coming to Adepticon. So very, very excited about that. Yep, we've already bought the tickets to
3: Adepticon, and we are already got the hotel, everything's ready to go, I'm bringing my wife, gonna introduce her to the, you know, the wonderful hobby world that we're part of, and
2: it's gonna be a good time, I'm hoping. Fantastic. Felix, are you coming to Adepticon? You're usually there, you're like a fixture.
1: Uh, yeah, I'm going. Signed up for the team tournament, and then Clash of Kings, so just so we've both committed to it i i'm i'm partnering up with devlin smith for uh the team tournament so there you go it's it's, it's going to happen so uh but in terms of hobby i'm also working on my army for adepticon i had been thinking about doing night stalkers but started working on that ran a couple games and i just i felt the call of the north coming so uh just reading and i got the books started reading the lore and i'm like this northern alliance is kind of decent so Especially with the new models and all that stuff, I just felt myself calling, you know, just coming, coming back. So I'm working on a, uh, a uh, Northern Alliance army. So I think I've got two drops painted up. So uh, so it's gonna be it's gonna be a, a haul prior to Adepticon, but uh, that's that's my hobby. I'm just every night just trying to get as much hobby in as possible. So
2: well, it sounds like After Dark will be calling.
1: I will be, and actually I would be on right now, but we're recording, so...
2: <laughs> Sorry, After Darkers, we had to borrow Felix, so very cool. All right, well, hey, uh, speaking of Night Stalkers, I hear you've been uh, not overly enamored, or uh, I don't know, what was going on? You were talking about Night Stalkers earlier today, so...
1: Right, well, it's... Well, I mean, they're obviously one of the new, new hotnesses coming out of 3rd uh, Edition. They were uh, quite favorably helped in the new edition, so I just, I've just i just been running into them a lot, and I, honestly, I've ran into uh, Empire Dust about as much, so I'm kind of tired of both of those. I'd rather, I haven't played a single game against Undead, or uh, you know, uh, hell, I've never played against Dwarves with my nor- Northern Alliance. You know, I've played as Dwarves for a couple times, but never played, so it's just like, can we get some other armies here? You know, so I just, uh, this is local meta stuff. You know, but even online, at Universal Battles, I've been running into a lot of Empire Dust players, so...
2: Hey, I have to admit, uh, Empire of Dust, I was I had some models out. I had them down on the table because I'm struggling with my Blackjack Legacy slow grow challenge army and it's like, what am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? i as I mentioned on the year-end podcast, I was really gonna do Trident Realms and then I went to put my gigas together that I mentioned on the show, and I'm actually missing the bottom part of the heads. I'm missing all the parts, so I sent in a note to Mantic Customer Service, and I haven't heard back from them yet. So that kind of stalled me out, so I went back to the Northern Alliance. So actually, currently on my paint table, I have some Snow Trolls uh, going, and I've got uh, Clan Lord that I'm working on. Nice. I need to get 250 points. I'll have 240, but I consider that close enough uh between that and then i just got to keep building from there so but um and i'm actually using that apothecary white as the base for the fur on the snow troll so uh so far it's looking pretty good i'm gonna have to dry brush it up though yeah but you know i'm trying to find some use for this contrast paint i bought but
1: (laughs) yeah apothecary white's actually not too bad on those they actually kind of work a lot for the fur
2: yeah, I almost like to call it apothecary blue, because I don't know what it has to do with white. I mean, it's just it's just something that gives a cool blue that, you know, you can dry brush up to white, is what I'm finding, at least. So Makes sense. So, Felix, how are you finding the Northern Alliance? Since I'm going to be uh, going all in here, so, I mean, uh, they don't seem to have a lot of speed to them, so...
1: Right, they, they hit like a truck, but uh, it's a truck going about 45 miles per hour, really, so uh, God help you if you're in their way, because they will wreck some face, uh, but on the whole, army overall speed is not the fastest, so uh, at least I've been able to find. I know they've got one flyer who is like the old king on Chimera that the varringer had in second edition, it's just the lord on Chimera, that's a speed 10 nimble flyer, uh, which is pretty good, but... I haven't had too much experience running those yet, but, but yeah, on the whole slower ish, but, uh, yeah, they, they are definitely a 10 pound bag of hammers. They will definitely wreck some face, but it works well for me coming from a dwarf player, you know, perspective. Uh, a lot of my early games in third edition were dwarves, so I'm used to not really having a lot of speed. But no, I like it. Uh, my one uh, buddy, Jesse Jennison, shout out to him. Yeah. He said uh, Northern Alliance might actually get the rose for me this year, you know, in reference to The Bachelor. Uh, cause they seem to have a lot of the things I, I kind of look for in an army, so.
2: Well, very, very cool. I look forward to uh, talking about them here on the narrative workshop. They have a very cool background. So, But tonight, we're not going to start with that. We're going to start at the beginning. Yes, the very beginning. And one of the things I was very, very excited about with the 3rd Edition rulebook was that the fluff went backwards and forwards. And so that was really exciting for me. And one of the things I always, you know, we talked about a little bit on the show, too, was about the old gods and things like that. And we actually get some information on it which is really cool, and I really like the, the, that they show the real genesis in the beginnings to where you can really see the beginning, and we've kind of had hints of it here and there, and one of the old gods actually is worshipped by one of the races, and so they're kind of mentioned in this as well, So, which is really fascinating, but Ben, you've really dived into this, and you put together some great notes, so I'm going to turn you loose first, my friend. Uh, so you said there's there's
3: one, but there's actually two that show up um, in two different armies, and you'll you'll recognize the name, uh, the names as we go on. First up, we have um, so there was seven primogenitors or primogenitors. I'm not sure how you pronounce that actually. Primogenitors, yeah. Primogenitors, yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's seven primogenitors. Um, The first two and kind of the first two that are referenced are Bonak and Shobik. So there's the first one that we see referenced later on with the empire of dust, worshiping Shobik or at the very uh, and Correct me if I'm wrong, Felix, you might know uh, empire of dust fluff a little bit better than me, but Shobik, they have the idol of Shobik. He's the God of death. Um, So he he's referenced at the very least, in in other fluff and in other armies but banek is the the god of life and Shobik is the god of death um banek, banek is kind of like this manic creator he builds something he loves it for a little while it's his precious for a little while um then he gets tired of it and he throws it away and Shobik was is kind of the person that come or is the god that comes along and cleans up after his twin brother um because these two are twins um, and it talks about how it labels them as Shobik is the embodiment of death, decay, entropy, but also of rebirth. So it's almost like he's the more mature of the two brothers because Bonik kind of acts like almost like a little kid in the fact that he keeps creating stuff, and Shobik is forced to clean up once he's done with it, kind of thing. and and that's kind of where he finds his purpose in his existence, kind of thing. So you have Bonik and Shobik. Life and death. Then you have Ompek and Lonak. Uh, I'm not sure if they're siblings or if they're former lovers. The way that the 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 fluff gives them is that they are always at each other's throats, and it uses words like passionately against one another and things of that nature. That kind of makes you wonder if they weren't there wasn't something there, and there was like a rift that divided them or something. But they are the god of light and the goddess of shadow so Ompek is the god of light and lonak is the goddess of shadow they're literally the sun and the moon is the way once you start reading into it at first you're like well that's interesting and then you realize that it kind of evokes that uh, that the creation myth idea of you know the sun why does the sun rise these are all answers to questions of that and it kind of harkened back and i'm going to reference another uh, work of fiction called, uh, by Terry Pratchett, called The Hogfather. And it's a very interesting idea, and in that story, The Hogfather... The, the embodiment of death explains that their world's version of Santa is actually a modern equivalent of what had been a sun god back in the, the primordial days kind of thing with the first emergence of people. And that the tooth fairy is actually an ancient demon who seeks to protect children by collecting their teeth so that old magic can be used against them through their teeth kind of thing. And the reality was that they these deities in that book, in, in Terry Pratchett's work, they needed people to believe in them in order to exist. Um, Because if people stopped believing in them, they would cease to exist. And once science in their world proved that the sun would rise, regardless of if people believed in a sun, God that now defunct deity needed to find another source of believers in order to survive. And so he shifted to becoming Santa. So that the little kids believe in him. And so he'd still have a source of belief. And it kind of, hints at something similar in the world of mantica in that and we'll get to this a little bit later when we start talking about the next two uh deities but it kind of hints that they need belief of some sort they need human emotions to feed them kind of thing um whether that's and then it doesn't even necessarily need to be human emotions but they need something to feed them so that they have something to subsist on some kind of belief or worship or something of that nature That actually takes us to the next pair of gods, which is Threnica and Corgan. Corgan's another name you've heard before, if you've ever stood across from an old Warriors of Chaos army across the way from you. They're respectively the goddess of water and like oceans and things of that nature. That's Threnica and Corgan, who's the god of air or or wind. We know that Corgan draws his current power. And this is where it links to the Varengar, which if you go to the new Uncharted Empires uh it talks about how corgan finds his way back is and i'm going to read an excerpt from the uncharted empires is he says the basest mortal emotions are the most malleable and the easiest to control and provoke hate anger jealousy and ambition they are also powerful if anarchic emotions and in the presence of of conflict and war, both within and without, the source of Corgon's nourishment bloomed. The old god began to weave the cords that would rebind it to the world ever tighter. Appearing to the clans in three different guises, the warrior, weeper, and deceiver, it united them with a strengthened desire to wage war on the world, but divided them with a distrust of each other as they strove to seek approval from whichever face of Corgon that they followed. This being, primogenitor, and once god of air, was both fickle and cruel— and so it began to craft a new culture in its image, and the Verenger started to venture out once more. And he talks about how Corgan gets his nourishment off of strife and kind of almost chaos, This, these strong emotions, these mortal emotions. And it seems like that's the main source of his power, and it kind of makes you wonder if that's not where – all of the other deities are getting their power from as well. So he purposely creates chaos and malevolent feelings so that his followers will fight and gain strength from that. It is interesting that Threnica does not have a bigger role with the Trident realm than is currently there. Now, I put an ellipsis at the end of this, a dot, 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 because there's almost an implied yet in there as well. So uh, these two in in the beginning had a a very kind of almost playful nature. They would play one against the other, the earth and the air, uh, or I'm sorry, the water and air. It talks about how they would create storms and all this kind of stuff. So they almost had like a, almost playful. So it seems like Corgan as a being has changed in personality from the beginning of the world to almost dying and then coming back through the Varengar. So up to this point, all of the gods have been paired either with a sibling, with a lover, with uh, something of that nature, right? But then we have the, the lonely Dianic or Dianic. She's the goddess of Earth. And she's also the mother of dwarves, which is another fascinating story that it talks about because she was she's basically barren. She's unable to create anything other than what is implied heavily is Earth elementals. That's the only thing that she's able to really create on her own. And she she's forced to be underground because that's where her domain is. And Corrigan obviously doesn't want to have anything to do with that because air doesn't really blow around up there, even though there's air in the tunnels and all that kind of stuff underground, but air doesn't really move around much underground. So he doesn't want anything to do with it. Light and darkness, darkness exists, but there's no... She, Lonok wants to be where Ompec is so they can fight. And Bannock was not interested. He's kind of a vain god. So he's not really wanting to create anything that he can't see very often because it's always going to be underground. So basically, Dianek has left. She's the the younger sister, like the, the tag along that the, the, the parents forced the rest of the primogenitors to take along with them kind of thing. And they kind of pushed her off to the side. And she's super lonely. And in her loneliness, in her isolation, she just she becomes so lonely and so sad. And Bannock is creating all of these things up above him. He creates the elves. And then later, well, and we'll get into this, he creates the humans that she's so heartbroken by all this that she begins to weep. And her crying is so bitter and so sad that it draws the attention of the other six gods. And they kind of quietly imbue her tears with a little bit of Creation magic, and it forms into stalactites and stalagmites, which then burst forth as the dwarven race, according to the the dwarves' creation myth. And so, Dianek is the mother of dwarves in that regard. And so, it's a kind of a bittersweet. Uh, it's kind of a, a beautiful story for uh, the creation of the dwarves, and it's a little bit different. And it also goes on to say later on that the dwarves are the only ones that did not give up their worship of the primogenitor, of their primogenitor, their goddess, Dianek, once the Celestians showed up. So they there's a lifelong stalwart uh, faithfulness with the dwarves to that. And to this day, which we'll get into probably on a dwarf fluff uh, episode later on, but to this day, they still worship her. So the big thing that happens in the creation myth, besides, so we have the introduction of these seven gods And the big thing that happens, the big cause of strife, strife as it was, uh, in fact, it even says that um, uh, the Bannock ushers in the beginning of the end with his creation of the elves, which we already knew because, you know, elves, right? The pointy-eared nightmares themselves. (laughs) That's right. So Bannock creates the elves, and because he and he becomes infatuated with them because he basically makes them the best he can. It's basically like someone sitting down to make their boutique army. He takes his time. He gets the exact, he gets them looking exactly the way that he wants. He gives them the exact skills that he wants. He he just practices and puts them up to be the perfect race. And they do, and they surprise him, and he loves them. And he's afraid because he doesn't want Shobik to come along and destroy him, as he has done with every other creation that Bonek has ever made. And so he hides them under the world tree. But because gods are immortal, and eventually all things come to light, Shobik finds out about the elves and throws a fit. And between the two of them, Banek and Shobik, they, they start having this big argument um, because Everything that Bonak makes is supposed to be destroyed by Shobik at some point. It's it's just that natural cycle, creation and, and destruction. So they they have this big argument until um Ompek comes along and he also he really likes the elves too. So he doesn't want to see the elves destroyed. So he comes up with a middle ground agreement with between Bonneck and Shobik, and that is for Bonak to create a race that is specifically for Shobik. And so Bonac creates men, humankind, uh, and gives them over to Shobik. So there we have the creation of the three noble races, elves, dwarves, and man. And man is created and given over to the god of death. Uh, and so this is both a curse, because humans are cursed with the shortest lifespans, and it's also kind of a source of, it, they flourish within this, because... Humanity spends all of their where elves dedicate themselves to a single craft, whether that's making the perfect brew or being able to shoot the perfect shot in archery or whatever it is that the elves do. They dedicate their whole entire immortality basically to that one aspect of perfection and they go for it, whereas humans don't have that time it talks about. And so their entire existence is bent on finding new ways of not dying. And so this creates this draw towards anything mystical and even magical. Now, the elves already had a little bit of magic, but then humans started working with magic and it just became an escalation thing. And humans uh, were trying to find any way of they could to extend their short lifespans because they belonged to the God of Death. Their whole purpose was to be created to die. Um, And so they're because of that, they become so adaptable to different circumstances because they don't want to die. And so they start working on magic, elves start working on magic. And this magic draws the attention of the Celestians who come down from the stars. And that starts up a whole new chapter and leads to what we already know, but has been fleshed out in the new book, uh, as the Fenulian Mirror, the shattering of both that and the Celestians into the wicked and shining ones, which then leads to the Winner's War and all of the other things that lead up to where we currently are and the great destructions that follow. But this is just, this leads us up to just before the Golden Age with the Celestians.
2: Yeah, some really fascinating stuff in there. And, and one of the other things that I thought was really interesting in this passage was the description of magic. I mean, just, you know, kind of like the essence of itself, you know, because the elves that Bannock created, and let's face it, he's a spoiled brat with a big bag of Legos, okay? So he was just having a great time throwing things together. I mean, he was responsible for literally all the creatures on the earth, the earth of Panathor at that time, you know? But the elves stumbled upon the mysteries of creation, and they inadvertently stumbled upon the very power of creation itself, magic. So, which is really cool. And the way they describe it is neat. It's, every single thing upon the face of the world is composed of matter and its various combinations and of base elements. But magic is the binding force, injecting the spark of life and intelligence into each living creature. Various cultures describe it as the soul, the life energy, or the essence. That is so cool. So, basically, you know, I'm reading that and I'm thinking to myself, wow. I believe I've got a soul, you know? So that that's kind of cool. I got a little magic in me. That's kind of cool. I, I just love the way that that came together, and it really tells you where magic comes from in Panathor, kind of like what the source of it is. So I really, that was one of my favorite parts of the story as well. So I just wanted to kind of bring that up. So, Felix, did you have any thoughts? I just really
1: like the kind of the tying in of gods that we've mentioned. I mean, obviously... It's not Schobik himself uh, in the Empire Dust list, but it's the idol, you know. So it, it's kind of neat to tie in, you know, some of these. So at least two of the, you know, factions within King within Panathor, like, actually worship the old gods, which is still kind of cool. So that's the kind of thing I like about it. And just to tie into Corrigan into the Varinger and kind of shows, like, why they are as aggressive as they are. Kind of an explanation. They're not just, you know, because, like, in the other game, they're just demon worshippers and just demons do demony things, but this one actually says, like, this is their motivation. This is why they hate everything. It's not supposed to hate everything, but, you know, the, those passions that he likes invoked in his followers, that definitely gives him more powerful. So, you know, that he rewards that uh, leads to that aggressive, and, you know, aggression builds on itself. So that's just that's the thing I really like about the, the tie-ins with the old gods and the new world, I guess.
2: Absolutely. You know, you always think about it. I didn't even... The Shobha connection didn't even impact me until this discussion, you know what I mean? I mean, I read the story. I just didn't tie it together. And uh, the same thing with Dianic, you know, and the and the dwarves. So you can see it. You can see the threads, which is why I'm so excited that they wrote this. I mean, it's not that many pages, but it really just kind of gives you that basic beginning and also gives you the trinity of the original races. So you got elves, dwarves, and man which is really the formation and the basics of the whole thing. And, of course, as we mentioned in our very last second edition uh, Narrative Workshop episode, those dang elves, they're always getting in trouble. So,
3: (laughs) Always their fault.
2: Always their fault. And you know what? It is, and it's in the story. I mean, they're the ones that drew... Uh, you know, through all their playfulness and stuff like that, they're the ones that drew the attention of the Celestians. So, which is the next part of the story that we'll talk about in our next episode, but very, very cool. Yeah, and it makes sense, a lot of them, too. It makes
3: sense that the the, the Ophidians and the, well, not the Ophidians, but the Empire of Dust would worship Shovik, where he's the god of death. It makes sense with that, and act like you were saying, that the dwarves would still worship her. I'm wondering, again, with Threnica and Bonek, why the Elves or why the Trident Realms don't have more to do with them or why they haven't awoken something about them in the present day. Because I've read through both of their their sections in the new rulebook, and it doesn't really draw much on those two deities, even though there's an obvious link there. So it should be interesting to see if something doesn't come up from that.
2: Well, you always got the impression that the old gods were forgotten about. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, they were, "Eh, that was so long ago, nobody worries about them, you know. And you really didn't know about the real creationist part of the whole thing. But, you know, they were like kind of there. And I always got that, you know, like we mentioned with Shobok and Dianic, you know, it's like I always thought that the Varenger had that one link back to the old gods. But it's actually in various different parts of the story. So this is what really brought that because you really didn't know that in second edition.
3: Well, and the thing that's interesting about it is with the Veringer, it doesn't explain why Corrigan found them or how they found Corgan, or how they woke him up. They I, I guess it's because they were just they stayed up north where the wind was strong and that managed to wake him up where he found them and was able to feed off their emotions where they rejected the Celestians um, because of that. It doesn't really give us a concrete reason why Corgan attaches himself to the Veringer. And what brings him back from being forgotten? Because all of the gods, technically, except for Shobik, have been forgotten. Except oh, and Dianek, of course, with the dwarves. But between, but besides those two, it doesn't. The other f- um, five deities have kind of been forgotten for the most part. And so it's it's interesting to see what what would it take to wake these other. Old gods up kind of thing. I mean, are we going to have an HP Lovecraft thing where we wake up an old one and all of a sudden we wake up Serenica and we have a Cthulhu-esque beast rising out of the deep to, you know, devour the world out of anger of being spurned by her previous followers or something like that? Or what's going to happen or if that's even a possibility?
2: Right. Right. And the, the one question you have to have, too, is do they even still exist? You know, we are going to go through the story here, but you know, are people just you know thinking of their memory and tying it back? And are, are the old gods even around? You know what I mean? I mean, a lot of everything in Panathor is owning to Bannock because he's the one that created the the birds and the fish. I mean, anything that's there is all because of him. Yeah. You know, he's the one that created it. And then Shobik, you know, would make sure that they didn't last forever until those pesky elves. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, that, that, that's kind of the great dance of life. You know, I'm not going to sing the circle of life here, but that's basically where it comes from. So, but, you know, I wonder if they're even still around.
3: Well, and the cool and the interesting thing is, is that nature that supposedly in every other fantasy realm you get, nature is the stalwart, right? Nature's been around forever. It's all done that thing. And it's always been more or less the same, right? That that circle of life balance and all that kind of stuff. And yet, like you said, Bannock created it all. And yet nature does not worship him anymore. It worships the green lady like that is she has 100 percent control. She's not even challenged in any fluff at this up to this point. And yet Bannock is the one that created all of them. So it makes you wonder what happened to Bonnick to, to get him taken out of the equation. And if he's still around, he's got to be fuming, foaming at the mouth, angry about that, especially with how prideful and vain that he is, that his creations, the things that he's made, are now worshipping not only someone else, but a Celestian, the thing that usurped all of the old gods, the, the race that, that took away everything that they built that he built specifically and nature no longer worships its creator but worships something else it's now protector instead which is also an interesting kind of juxtaposition there
2: absolutely well i'm really looking forward to talking about this in our next episode where we'll be talking about the time of light very very cool all right well hey any other final thoughts on this? And we're going to slide into a commercial break, come back on the other side, and wrap up the show. Hi, guys. This is General Gaddafi from Singapore, and you're listening to Count the Charge. And welcome back. All right. Well, time for shout-outs. Hey, Ben, why don't you go ahead and uh, give some shout-outs there. What's happening out there? Um, any any cool events? Anything coming up? Anything you got to mention?
3: Yeah, I got a couple of things really quick. First off, I'm not sure if it'll be out by the time the, this broadcast or the, this goes out or not. But uh, I shout out to Wing Tessar. My book is going to be coming out here, hopefully in the next few weeks, in the next month or so. Hopefully by the end of this month is when it was scheduled. We'll see what happens. By this month, I mean January. Uh, Brandon's given it one more look over and then it should go to hopefully go to press after that. Uh, it's Drowned Secrets. Uh, focuses a lot on, well, a lot of different races. It's got Trident Realm. It's got Basilia and a couple others that I won't mention just because. Just but things that you can just a bit more fluff, right? So be looking for that on the shelves. Drowned Secrets, again, is the name. You can pre-order it now on Amazon, or you can go to the Wingstar Publishing website and purchase it through there. Yeah, and be looking for it. Second shout-out is for uh, the International Campaign Day. We're going to be doing that again this year on February 8th. It's going to have the same schedule that it's had for the past several times. Same idea. It's going to go for 24 hours, three time zones, starting in Australia, then going to Europe, um, and then finishing up here in America with uh, North America, Canada, United States. Uh, We haven't got our South American sites back this year yet but i'm sure they'll probably sign up once it gets a bit closer but keep that in mind four games go on a thousand fifteen hundred two thousand then a fifteen hundred point game Uh, however if you can play it any way that you want to so as long as you play four games and you report them all in the time frame you can participate in an ongoing narrative and uh, participate in an event that's all over the world again that's february 8th and if you're interested in that you can message me on Facebook or you can search us on Facebook for International uh, Kings of War International Campaign Day. If you ask to join the group, we'll approve you. And if you want to be a site lead, really easy. All you got to do is type in some numbers at the end of each round and we'll get you
2: signed up. Very, very cool. So you're bringing back the same crew? Is uh, Mark Cox involved and everybody? Or uh... Uh, Mark, it, this is right during his busy time, so he's sitting this one
3: out. But we got Chris back with him with us. Uh, we've also got a few others. We've got. Uh, I'm going to slaughter their names because I'm I'm terrible like that. But Mod uh, from.
1: Muhammad Gaddafi, I think, is yeah, is there we his go.
3: Name,
1: Maud is his nickname, I
3: guess. Nickname that he goes by, yeah. And then we've got um, Mikhail, who used to be uh up in um up in Minnesota with Chris. Now I'm I'm not sure where he is actually. Now he's somewhere further he's east, I think.
1: In he's on the east coast. I think he's Virginia or something like that. So Yeah.
3: Some I yeah, I can't remember exactly where I don't think he's actually told me yet, but um and then we've also got uh, our very own steve hildrew he's he's going to be helping out with it as well he's going to be busy on that day so he's not running a site but he's going to get in a game or two with his son he said and that that's that's our crew for this time around um so we've got a representative in each of the time zones uh if you want to reach out to any one of us feel free to do this and yeah we'd love to have you back if you haven't done it before we'd love to have you for the first time
2: oh yeah it's a lot of fun i love international campaign day it's great because you can start friday night with the australians so the tough ones doing the uk time zones the middle of the night but here on the east coast at least but uh you know a lot of fun i love it so do they have anything special this year like i know uh or did they carry forward did you get the character with the two magic items and all that or
3: Yes, we will go ahead and do the the character because that's always been a favorite with the International Campaign Day. It's a fun thing. Just a quick rundown of how that went is you uh, you had a certain point value and it's I believe it was 150 points that you could spend on your character. Plus, give them an extra 50 points of magic items, which or it could give them any two combination of any two magical items in the in the book. And yes, that can make it so that you have an OP character and all that kind of stuff. But that's not the point of International Campaign Day. It's not to go there and wreck face. It's to go and have a cooperative kind of storytelling experience where there's the give and take of games and all that kind of thing. So, yeah, you can build a broken commander for your armies, but uh, you'll, then you'll have the label of that guy kind of thing following you around afterwards. But yes, we will, we will we'll have the character there that'll be a big part of the storyline as well. So it's always a lot of fun when we're looking forward
2: to it. All right, good. Well, hey, check it out on Facebook, folks. It's uh, going to be a good time. So what are those dates again, Ben? It's February 8th. So it'll start technically if you
3: are in the States or in Canada or in any of the, the that hemisphere, it'll start technically on February 7th. You'll be able to start in the evening and play through with the Australians. Uh, it'll switch over straight over from them to Europe and it'll start technically for North America and, and uh, for all of us here in February 8th uh, in the morning. And it'll run for roughly about, oh, about eight, eight and a half, nine hours, I think, uh, for that day where you play four games throughout that day. So
2: We'll see if anybody makes the Ironman this year and uh, does all 12 games. So it should be interesting.
3: Every every time we do it, we have somebody that tries it or the, that accomplishes it. Sometimes it's only two that make it, but we always have somebody that gets through it.
2: Fantastic. All right, Felix, any shout-outs tonight? Yeah,
1: I was just thinking about that. I, I really hope there's at least two people that finish the Iron Man Challenge. It'd be kind of weird and awkward if only one person made the 24 hours. Sure. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, as for shout outs, I uh, definitely like to give a shout out for Clash of Kings at Adepticon in Chicago this year. It's March 25th through the 29th. Definitely, uh, you know, we've got I think we got room for 64 players, but we're obviously trying to get more. We had people that were on a wait list uh, last year because we filled up and we did not have space. We've explained this in another podcast has been talked about in another podcast podcasts we are competing with space in this room with other gaming systems so you know if they fill up and we don't they will eat from us and eat our spots if we fill up the 64 and they haven't filled up we will eat from their spots so it behooves everybody to sign up as quickly as possible i know it's been you know the holiday season and money is not exactly uh And great supply for a lot of folks. But, you know, I I figure it's January. We're hopefully starting the recovery period. So definitely suggest people to go out there and and register. It's a fun time. Great atmosphere. This will be my fourth year attending Adepticon. I've loved it since day one. Like Jeremy Duvall has said, it's like one of the best wargaming conventions out there, period. It's just the spectacle... It's everything, and you know, Kings of War, the community—it's some of the best games I've ever had. I've been at Adepticon, it's just amazing time there. You will not be bored at Adepticon, so definitely suggest people sign up for that one as soon as possible. Because I'd love to get more than sixty-four people. I would love to get, you know. 60, 70, 80 people signed up for uh, the Clash of Kings. That just makes it even better. We'll have Counter charges very own Steve Hildrew will be in attendance uh, as he was the uh, winner of the trip from the UK to Adepticons. So if you want to meet Steve Hildrew, there's a thing. Ben Stoddard, obviously going as well. some great, great people. And then me and Mark too. So uh, we'll all be at Adepticon. So definitely recommend signing up for that one. Any more national, more Midwest sort of vibe. War Kings GT which will be the third one we've had. That's going to be Memorial Day weekend. Uh, looks like tentatively it's the 23rd and the 24th of May. We'll be in Springfield, Ohio. So, uh, those who wish to come up from Kentucky or, you know, come over from West Virginia or, you know, some of the other states in the Mid-Atlantic or hell, other Midwesterners, uh, we you know, we we've, we've got this thing people tend to not come to the southern part. Now, granted we are any more remote not remote, but more outlying area of the Midwest region. But, you know, if we get more folks from Chicago and stuff like that, Indianapolis, I know Andrew Summers has got a good scene, uh, started up over there. If we can get, you know, if we can sort of convince those guys to come down and play with us, you know, um, I think it'd be good. So like I said, Adepticon March 25th to 29th, I think Clash of Kings is the 28th and 29th. And then working GT, which is the 23rd and 24th of May. So, Those are my shout outs. I think
3: maybe. Can I just throw something in on uh, attached to your, your disclaimer about, or your, your caveat for Adepticon is if a, if a high school teacher from Idaho can, can afford to get his uh, spot reserved in December then uh, I'm pretty sure everybody else has got the, the the necessary income to make that happen as well. Just going to throw that out there. No, no shame, no, no money shaming or anything out there, but.
1: Right. Well, I mean, if, if, if it's, you know, if it's a hotel room you're worried about, if it's travel, you're worried about, I mean, definitely paste, post on the regional pages, hell, even fanatics, you know, and, and just let folks know I'm sure there's plenty of people that are looking to either carpool or, or, or share a room or, or whatever. I mean, one of the things that's that's helped that's helped me to travel to so many tournaments I've been able to travel to is the fact that I can generally reach out and find somebody. Uh, I was in Washington D.C. for a business trip last year and was able to find Alex Chavez and Mike Austin who were able to drive me up from the metro station in D.C. to get me to Mountaineer. You know, I had no ability to get to Mountaineer otherwise, but I just hey, you know, you mind giving me a lift? They said sure, took me up and took me back so I could even fly home for the airport Sunday evening. So you know just reach out to folks. I mean, it's been, it's almost like beating a dead horse at this point, but the community is so generous. We just want people to come play. So if you're like, Hey, I need a, I need a ride or I need a ho- someone to share a hotel space with, I can almost guarantee you we can find just somebody that's willing to either carpool with you or, you know, you know, chip in on a hotel room. So yeah,
2: absolutely. Shout outs for me. Of course. The first one is going to be for EasyArmy.com. Can you spot Blaster on the page? Yeah, I heard that third edition is coming. I can't wait because you know Mark's saying if it's not on Easy Army, it doesn't exist. So I can't wait. I don't have an exact date or anything like that, and, you know, I don't know for sure, but I feel it in the wind. I can't wait for it to come, so very, very excited about that, and as Felix and Ben have both already mentioned, Adepticon is going to be awesome, so yes, Rob will be there, Jeremy will be there, I will be there. Steve Hildrew will be there. I think we've twisted Alex Kousa's arm, and he's going to be there. And then you got Ben and Felix, so, I mean, uh, yeah, everybody's going to be there. Of course, Colin will be there, too, but, you know, it's going to be it. I mean, it's going to be fantastic, so uh, definitely stop by. There's going to be a lot of stuff going on. We haven't really heard anything about Mantic Night yet, so that's going to be floating around, but... uh, You know, we will find out. There will be a gathering there for sure. So, definitely, definitely check that out. Uh, Hit the website and get signed up. And you will have a great time. I have been going for so long, I have lost count. So, very, very cool time.
1: It looks like uh, since I last checked a couple days ago, we've picked up a couple more registrations for uh, uh, Clash of Kings at Adepticon. So. Hurry up and, and get registered. You don't want to be stuck on a wait list because something happened to the last second. You're like, oh, I can go now, and there's no more space. So,
2: Yeah, nothing's worse than uh, wanting to go and then getting stuck on a waiting list. Definitely, definitely, definitely. And, of course, I'm going to give a shout-out for the Lone Wolf GT that's going to be down there in Fabulous Dallas, Texas. I heard that Nick Williams is going, so... Hopefully we will see everybody at Adepticon. I, my magic number was 80 as well, Felix, so we'll see if uh, people are going to be there. I am not going to be playing in the GT because my daughter is flying into Chicago and I've got to watch the kids, so I'm running around because we are bringing an Adepticon newbie this time to the show. So that's going to be fun, so we got to get them all oriented. But I will be dropping by, and it will be a very good time. So go ahead and sign up, so. Well, guys and gals, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the Narrative Workshop. And Felix, why don't you go ahead and take us out.
1: Well, until next time, keep countercharging. for
0: listening. And we'll see you next time on Countercharge. Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com on Twitter at countercharge fifteen. If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep counter-charging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons.